You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Living the good fat life with your host Karen and Sherry. They'll help everything align for your body, soul, and mind. The good fat life. Whether change comes slow or dramatically, a good fat life will help you sort things out organically. I know. I know. I, I, think I love the, the whistling. The, yeah, yeah. Like organically, dramatically always makes me laugh. So. Yeah, it's so cute. So how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. good. Oh, it feels like a new day, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, it's just good to have kind of the election behind us mm-hmm. and the holidays in front of us. And um, yeah, all good. Yeah, to- I completely feel regrouped and uh, rejuvenated. And um, thankfully, um, I feel better now that the election is over. Um, but I know a lot of people don't. So my goal is to kind of just help to be understanding and curious and try to come from an understanding of people that are, you know, maybe not as happy about the results. So what, what about you? How do you feel? It's I was listening to a, um, to NPR on my way over here. And it was it's just fascinating. Um, I think the part that I'm really appreciating, a now that the election is over, mm-hmm. it's we don't have to focus on the election, but we can focus on m- making building. things better, building, right. yeah. building, and and it's really um, I, there's been so much that's come up, um, just from all all kind everybody, right? Know, it's like so many issues have come up that have just been really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, um, I appreciate that so many pe- more people came out and voted. And also that people are starting to be able to articulate mm-hmm. um, some of what they're feeling. Right. It was a really great time because people did really start to think like, hey, how do I feel about all this stuff? Right. right. Maybe a lot of people that didn't normally think about it. So that was exciting. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so it'll be interesting. And I'm hopeful. And um Looking forward to our guest today. I know. Yeah, so absolutely. Do wanna, do I wanna... do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, we're so lucky because we did um, WXW um, conference with women and Sherry U. Spokes. And we met um, at, um, Emily McGuire there. And she's fantastic. She is the owner and chief email marketer at Flourish and Grit an email marketing and automation studio, and she helps businesses uncover hidden revenue in their email list by pairing businesses and unique customer journey and high converting copywriting. Whew, that's a mouthful. <laughs> but basically, we're having her here today because we just want to learn, like, she's a successful businesswoman. She's a mom, like, what she's doing and how she's being healthy and well and um, what this time in her life looks like now. So I'm interested to talk to her. So, Emily, thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks yes, so much. For Emily McGuire. Hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How yeah. are you? Uh, I am. It feels like a new day today. So I'm feeling hopeful um, after a year of not so much, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's, yeah. that seems to kind of be, well, that's what Karen and I were feeling too. Just hopeful. Yeah. Like, 
Um, and there's lots, and you're in, in marketing and communication. So mm-hmm. this has to, um, I'm curious, you know, I, I guess I'm curious, Emily, is uh, what you're just seeing and feeling with the comments and as a communication, as a person that's, that's what they specialize in. Yeah. So, um, so I mainly focus on email marketing, but social media is definitely a part of that, right? Um, I have to do it for my business. And I talk about social campaigns for um, my customers uh, or my clients. So um, in terms of what's going on on social media, you know, we've seen a lot of um, a lot of heated discussions, um, but also a lot of clarity, I feel like. And I think that's the advantage of email or social media is that like we get exposed to different ideas that maybe we don't see uh, in our immediate day-to-day lives. Um, and so people are having some really fascinating conversations out there and trying to understand. Um, and then some people who are just uh, also tired of trying to make people understand, you know? <laughs> right, um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really fascinating um, to be part of this time in general, like this year uh, has been uh, just fascinating to see how people are communicating with each other. Well, then Um, you throw COVID on top of it and um, exactly. Yeah. 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 How well people can communicate and how terribly some people can communicate, you know, like some people just don't have that skill set to talk about what's going on or how they're experiencing things. Right. So, well, tell, so how'd you, you know, Karen had um, heard you on a panel at the WXW and Mm -hmm. I unfortunately wasn't able to, haven't been able to listen to the tape yet on that one. Um, And so she, you had some interesting, interesting ideas that she was intrigued by and she's like, we need to get to know Emily better. So (laughs) can you talk a little bit about that? I just like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Emily. Well, the theme of the panel, so it's, it's for, in case anybody doesn't know what WXW is, it's the Women's Exchange of Washtenaw, and they put on an annual forum, and um, it's panels and or sessions and workshops about all kinds of things, right? Marketing, um, wellness, as Sherry got to speak about, uh, mindset, all those sort of things that affect women in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So um, I was on a panel about um, Vision 2020. So, you know, what do we want to see for the next decade? And part of my personal mission is, so I, I'm i an entrepreneur. I own, um, you know, like you mentioned, I own Flourish and Grit, an email marketing and automation studio. I've been, um, this is, I'm going to my third year into, in my business. And uh, this year I've seen exponential growth. Um with the demand for digital and email marketing. Um, And so now I have a team, which is a totally different thing. I've managed people before, but I've never been like the person, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a totally different experience. And, you know, part of the reason why I decided to work for myself um, and go out on my own is, you know, I, I'm sure many people have experienced just the burnout of corporate life and how exhausting that can be sometimes, um, in particular for, uh, you know, me as a woman and somebody who has thoughts and ideas. I've worked in some pretty, um, in some work cultures that were not friendly to women. 
um, to their opinion, to their ideas, to their expertise, and particularly um, mothers. Uh, and, you know, I have a son, I have a three and a half year old. And that's, um, yeah, it's got that's I've got two, three um, grandchildren that are just on the cusp of turning four. It's such a fun yeah. age. Yeah. But yeah. it's a handful. Yeah, yeah. it's a handful. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And so, you know, I wanted to, um, my husband and I moved back to Michigan about two years ago or almost three years, well, three years ago now. Gosh, is that right? Wow, time flies. Okay. It does. <laughs> um, to be near family again after we had, after I had my son. And, you know, I was looking around for the next job and I was like, I don't want a job. I want the job. So I just, I wasn't seeing what I wanted. And so I forged my own path. And um, it's been a ride. Uh, and I think part, so part of the entrepreneurship, right. And part of now being, um, uh, somebody who is, uh, in charge of, uh, of my team, I, I want to see a world where, um, we don't assume that people live in a vacuum, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I experienced in the workplace is that you show up and you have to, not be your personal self, right? Like you have to pretend that um, every stressor outside of work doesn't exist or that you don't come to work with a a history of real experiences that affect the way you interact with people, right? Um, And so my vision before COVID was to see a more blended life of who who you are. And, um, and especially, you know, for me as a, as a white woman, I want to be able to not be afraid to have to take time off for my kid, right. Or have, or to talk about having a child, right. I was, I was terrified right out of college looking for jobs. I wouldn't wear my wedding ring to interviews because I kept hearing that, you know, people won't hire you if you're young and you're married, because they think you're just going to have a baby and bail, you oh, know, wow. that's hard to believe that you're we're still wow. hearing those things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Well, and when I got pregnant with my son, um, people kept asking me, you're coming back, right? After you go on maternity leave, you're coming back, right? And it's, I got so sick of hearing that question. <laughs> it was just like, well, then maybe give me incentive to come back. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. And even after that, like trying to, you know, breastfeed and pump was a nightmare. Um, anyway. I, yeah. No. So tell, yeah. tell us now that you are like a boss and you said you have team, what challenges have you found um, or something that you've realized you really need to provide for your people? Maybe that you didn't think about before or that you've realized now that you're actually in the position of being in charge rather than an employee. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I I've talked to my team about individually is like, if this doesn't work for the both of us, it doesn't work at all. Right. Like mm-hmm. when I say I, I have a team, like we are working together and that doesn't mean me just dumping stuff on your plate and saying, figure it out. Right. Um, especially because we're all remote. None of my, none, none of my team members live in Michigan. And, um, so that means like, I have to take the time to step back 
and say, okay, how are we doing this collaboratively? Mm-hmm. And then how am I showing somebody else how to do it? Um, and for me, like, you know, one of the things that I excelled at in a new work environment was like, I could jump in feet first and figure stuff out. Um, but I don't want to expect that of people coming in fresh to what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And so like being really mindful of that um, and making sure like everybody has everything they need to get the job done. Right. Um, Because you don't, you don't progress, you don't accelerate, you don't scale without thinking about those things. So so, like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So when you, um, so I'm just curious. So that was a big leap of faith, if, if you will, to go from having a, what people like to say is a real job, right? Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. starting your own company. Because mm-hmm. um, you certainly don't work any less, but the work is different. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so how has that, how, what, what was the tipping point for you that you said, was it the move? Um Yeah, it was the move. I wanted to create a job I actually wanted, not one I tolerated. Yeah, yeah. No, that's Um, great. Yeah, and you know, and I started out, you know, um, you know, as a side hustle on an already full workload, and then quickly it became full time. Um, And that's had its ebbs and flows as well. And. you know, and the really interesting thing about entrepreneurship that I didn't expect was so like, uh, not to brag, but I've been in uh, therapy half my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, I, uh, after I had my son, you know, I experienced postpartum depression, which I had taken a pause from therapy and that sort of launched me back into it. And eventually found a therapist who recommended EMDR therapy to Mm me. Um, And if you're not familiar with that, it's it's therapy to help you essentially uh, reprogram um, uh, trauma response, right? So when you're, when you experience trauma in your life, and that can be, you know, tiny traumas to you lost your favorite pair of shoes to something really big. Um, like abuse or witnessing something horrific, um, you naturally, we are programmed to respond, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, to stress in um, the flight, fight, or freeze response. And so um, anyway, so this therapy helps you process those unprocessed um, responses. Don't they use uh, like sensory with your hearing and things like that? so I know there are a couple different ways to do it. The way I did it, like I've I've also heard it called like rapid eye movement. Mm-hmm. Like they they can like anyway, your eyes follow a finger back and forth. My therapist uses these, they're essentially like little vibrators that I hold and they alternate vibrating back and forth. Mm-hmm. So while like reliving this experience. And you know, entrepreneurship made me um have to confront so many thoughts and ideas I had about mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. yeah. Know, like, like these negative scripts I play in my head about that hold me back from doing things. And what I did not expect is how much EMDR would help me unpack those things 
and how much entrepreneurship would be a catalyst for exercising those I uh, or working through those ideas and learning new behaviors and skills, social skills. Wow. Um, That's powerful. That's really yeah. powerful, right? What a great story. Yeah. Um, I know that's really effective with uh, PTSD and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm glad to hear about that again because that is a great um, uh, use of therapy. So, yeah. Yeah. And my my therapist that I found who recommended this therapy, like, diagnosed me with PTSD. And, like, from when I was a teenager and I had no no idea Mm -hmm. that that was, like, what was happening. And, um, And we were able to work through it together. And it's, like... I, this year, I think has been like the culmination of so many things, but I've done things that I never thought were possible even a year ago, right? Like I just see myself doing, behaving in more positive ways that I'm just shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Could you give us an example? What would be something that you might've done negatively before that you're doing really, you're really killing it at, you're really um, doing positively now? Well, like, um, so my whole thing, you know, a coping mechanism I learned was, you know, somebody just poor boundaries, right? Right. Somebody like, especially in the workplace, like somebody would give me all this work to do because I could do it, right? I could do it quickly. And um, I just kept doing it, right? I kept like getting on that uh, hamster wheel and being like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Don't stop. Don't ask for help. Don't tell somebody to stop right? Don't uh, admit to your, um, your humanity that you can't do everything. Um, and now, you know, with client work, I've actually had some hard, or not even that hard conversations with clients just to be like, hey, um, you know, our contract stipulated this amount of work. Uh, <laughs> this is where that boundary is. And if you would like more, then we can either, uh, you know, explore another option, A, you can, uh, or IE, you can pay me for my work, (laughs) or B, we don't need to work together. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I never in a million years thought I could have a frank conversation with somebody without being terrified, you know what I'm saying? Just being like, okay, this is the expectation that was set up. That expectation is now um, not being held up and we need to adjust whatever that looks like. Either you need to do more or I need to walk away kind of thing, right? Or we need to readjust our expectations. And so you it, could use that it, in anything. Yeah. It sounds like you just stop taking things personal, right? You just sort of like a solution-based kind of thing rather well, than I'm not good to, enough kind of thing. Or uh, even just to have that conversation. Yeah. In right. Past, I would just keep doing, keep doing, keep doing until I couldn't take it anymore. And then it was just like, well, psh, I'm just going to throw this up in the air. I'm out. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, I'm done. I think um, a lot of people do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so like being able to say, okay. I I see this pattern. I know where this goes. How do I pause and reset? And then how do I actually talk to the person who is sort of overstepping those boundaries, whether or not they want to or realize it or not, right? Um, and then I I have I've had a couple of those conversations, and they all went so well. Like 
nothing exploded. <laughs> right, Nobody right. told me to get lost. Right. You know, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> so there was. <laughs> and, a, are you familiar with Brene Brown? Yeah, um, her work. I, yeah, love, 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 yeah, yeah love, she's love, amazing. Yeah. But one of the things that she found in all of her research is that clarity. Clarity is a gift. It's a precious mm-hmm. gift that we give people to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so it's, you know, we're, we're not always taught that. So we th- we will just shy away from having those conversations because they feel, I don't know, for whatever. There's all kinds of reasons we'll shy away. But, but mm-hmm. when we can have them, we're actually giving ourselves and the other person a big gift. Exactly. And when I learned that, it was like, wow, that really changes things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that self-knowledge is so beautiful. And I love, I love Brene Brown um, and have really worked on vulnerability because of her. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, when you have, and this is the thing I didn't realize is that sometimes we have compulsive reactions to things that we have little to no control over, right? Like part of that is, I mean, that's a trauma response. And I didn't know, it it was so crazy. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And then I learned it. And then I learned how to like look or um, process through those responses. And now like, I don't feel like in my chest, like my chest doesn't get tight. You know, I don't immediately flush and like start, freaking out, you know, just my body goes through all these responses that I didn't, I didn't really know were there. And that stopped me from even having that conversation, you know? Wow. So yeah, it's, it's super powerful stuff that I had. Like I said, I had no idea until I found this amazing therapist who's been like guiding me through this. And, um, and so do you think that if you had stayed, if, if, you know, you had moved and then just found another job and just continued to stay in the more traditional world that you would, um, that you would have been uh, seeking out this additional help was. Um, I think I would have, I don't know. I don't know if I would have stumbled on the EMDR. Um, And if I did, then um, I don't know if I would have practiced it in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely think eventually I probably would have gone out on my own. So So I'm just thinking as people are listening and if they can, if they, if what you're saying is resonating on some way, because like you said, it's like you didn't even know that you were, had those behaviors I think we all have those things, right? For sure. Yeah. We all have those things that we do that are keeping us back that we don't even know that we do. And mm-hmm. so what are some things that can give us a clue? Um, yeah. You know, so well, that, so you did it you did it early on in your age, you know, versus being older, being mm-hmm. um so you have and and you can teach this to your son, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So and as as a as a little guy, he can learn he can learn how to do those things himself because uh, yeah. because his mom's showing up this way. How powerful well, would it be to be like that from the time you're little to know that, right? You'd be yeah, like a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, and it, it's so weird because, you know, so I've, stu- I've been like uh, trying to do more reading around PTSD and stress and all this stuff. And, you know, in some of the reading I've done, um, so there's a book called the, the body keeps the score and it's sort of like the foundational book about 
PTSD. Huh. And they talk about um, inherited trauma, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we learn, um, we learn how to be in a relationship, right? We learn what family is uh, from an early age, obviously from the, you know, the people who took care of us. And, and so my, you know, my parents learned how to be in a family and in a relationship from their parents and their parents before them, right? So it's just been this passed down cycle of harmful behavior that, um, you know, gets to end with me, you know, like it gets to end with me. And I think my son was sort of a catalyst for that as well. When I would look at him and be like, I know what not to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to, to do. Yeah. That is very um, honest. Wow. Very. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people feel like that, but they don't say it out loud. Yeah. 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 And I, and I was just so terrified of repeating mistakes. And, and so, yeah, it's just like, it was just this perfect storm, you know, having a son and like seeing those stories in a different light, you know, those childhood stories in a different light and then entrepreneurship and moving and then finding this therapist who was like, you could really benefit from EMDR and sticking with it, even though it sucked. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so now I, like I've learned how to uh, almost essentially speak. Uh, It's uh, so weird. It's the weirdest thing. Fantastic. (laughs) And I like speaking of uh, speaking, you had said that um, sometimes you got to be okay with being the A word, which I'm not going to say on our podcast, (laughs) but you know, I don't can't think of a different better way to say it. Um, Sometimes you got to be okay with being the person that was wrong or admitting you were wrong or not understanding. Talk to us about that. That's what I thought um, was very uh, honest about what you said. Well, and part of like not speaking up when things were going bad was like, I felt like I had to take care of other people's feelings more than my own. Right. Um, But especially this year, especially with, um, you know, what's going on with COVID and um, the election. And then we've seen this um, re surgence of the black lives matter movement, um, particularly after the murder of George Floyd, where I, you know, all of this, right. All of these things have created um, space or like really stressful conversations. And so much so that I've talked to many close friends who tell me they don't know how to talk about these things, right. They don't know how to talk about race they don't know how to talk about um, um, public health, right? Uh, how how we care for each other through a public health crisis, mm-hmm. um, the election, and you know, particularly from my white friends who, you know, they have very, um, uh, you know, mixed feelings about race. Um, and about like the white and black racial dynamics in this country, they're like, I just don't know what to say. And my experience has been like, I, um, especially this year, is I've been doing a lot of reflecting on that, because I, you know, again, like, going back to, you know, uh, being parented, um, you know, the N word was very common in my home growing up. 
And so like I may have consciously rejected that way of um, viewing black people in the United States, but that gets buried deep down. And um, so there's a, there are a lot of ideas that I've had to examine and unpack. And often those happen in conversation with people I trust, with people who are willing to engage. And it's messy, right? It's real messy. And there are so many hidden beliefs that maybe we don't know about until somebody says, um, maybe you want to think about what you just said, <laughs> right? And it's not a personal attack, right? Do I, if somebody, you know, says, like, for example, I'll give you an example about race that, um, you know, that was so shocking to me, um, maybe when I realized this, and it was, you know, maybe 10-ish years ago. Um, I remember being on the side of saying things like, um, you know, when people pronounce the word ask, it's not axe, right? And somebody can talk to me about that. They were like, you know, we view language as being proper, right? Um, But those rules were made up by, by academics, right, who were traditionally white men. And so those rules we live by and we judge other people for are, are not the end all be all. Like we can accept the way other people speak without judging them negatively. Um, it's not a reflection on their character. It's not a reflection on propriety. It's a reflection on, you know, where you grew up and who you grew up with and the experiences you've had and the education you're exposed to. And it's not, a, it's not value. It's, it doesn't mean they're more or less a person. And I was just like, what? That's <laughs> yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Right? No, that's, it is, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Well, yeah. And my of husband course, was, yeah. my husband was um, raised on the East coast and I was raised on the West coast and he'll say something like a draw, uh, you know, he mm-hmm. drops the ER oh, or something, yeah. draw or <laughs> yeah. tournament or oh. something. He says something and I go, you know, and my first inclination is correct. Him. That's wrong. I need to correct it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the tr- exactly. but yeah. but it's so fascinating that you bring that up as an example because it's so true. <laughs> it's just yeah. yeah. Or you know, or or pasta. You know, people in, in yeah. the, will yeah. say pasta instead of pasta. And you're anyway. Anyway, it's <laughs> yeah. it's a fascinating. Um, yes, yeah. exactly. When yeah. you start talking to people about their dialects, their regional dialects, like right. we all think we speak proper English, but the uh, the only proper English or like um, standard dialect that we all aspire to are what TV broadcasters speak, right? And they have spent years learning, learning. that way of speaking. So yeah, that's just one example. And I don't think I would have known that unless I had said it out loud. And somebody set was able to talk me through that. And yes, it's stung, right? Because I right. don't want to think that I'm a bad person or mm-hmm. that I would judge somebody else for something, um, you know, that in the in the big scheme of things isn't a big deal. Um, but yeah, it's just those like little tiny things that you carry around with you that you don't really realize like, oh, that's just one way to think about it. And I, you don't, um, the value of a person's life is not dependent on these tiny things, right? No, but they build, so, they build up. Well, so a uh, question, uh, um, what 
in your email marketing, right? So that's what you do mm-hmm. for your business. Have you found that the way that you communicate in your emails has changed um, over time? And can you talk a little bit about that? I, I was listening and, and part of where this is coming, I was listening to um, a talk um, by Daniel Pink yesterday and he was, it was on selling. And Mm -hmm. he said that in the last 10 years, um, the selling process has completely flipped on its head versus Mm -hmm. the entire since history began till 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and it was fascinating. And so much of it is about, um, around who has the information and who has the expertise and, um, blah, blah, blah. So I was just wondering from, from your perspective, being in, in, um, marketing and communications, have you found that people are wanting to be communicated to differently? Yeah. I mean, nobody, when we feel like we are being sold to and you are not in the mode where you're ready to buy, right. Um, immediately our defenses get up. Um, right. Like, oh, this person is only reaching out to me because they want me to give them my money kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, learning how to establish a relationship through marketing, um, before you, especially, you know, and obviously that depends on where somebody is, um, in their attitude about purchasing from you. Um, it's a big deal, right? I feel like more emphasis, um, and more success is being put on um, establishing a relationship with somebody um, before you ask. And, and that's building that brand factor, that like, know, and trust factor, that being an expert um, and being personable and being a real human uh, really helps. So um, in terms of writing, one of the things I that really became apparent this year, um, when the when almost the entire country shut down in the middle of March, were all these companies sending out emails with how they were responding to COVID. Right, they were sending it to everyone on their list. They were sending it to their entire database, maybe people they haven't emailed in years, and the message was generally here's what we're doing. Um, Our employees are now working from home or we're increasing safety precautions in our warehouse or we're sanitizing stuff. And it was all of these messages that was basically really focused around the corporate response to this. And it had nothing to do with the people on their list. It did not address their, um, their, the stress they were under, right? Everybody was feeling an incredible amount of stress um, and uncertainty about what all this meant. And it was, these emails were just like, okay, here's about us. This is what we're doing. Me, 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 me. And I think the thing that that showed more than anything was, especially with email marketing was, um, A, um, being a human and acknowledging your audience as other humans is really important, right? Like, don't just sit there and talk about what you're doing. Talk about how this, uh, and I'm going to use the the cliche, this unprecedented event (laughs) is shaping our lives. Yeah. Um, 
nobody cares that your employees are all remote. Like, what does that have to do with, with me? And B, like, don't, and that's another thing with email and that today um, makes such a difference between how we market in the past is we have data. So you can personalize your email communication. You don't need to dig up old contacts on your database that haven't heard from you in years. Why do they care that your uh, your warehouse workers are now or now your warehouse is like being sprayed down with pants? <laughs> right. Talk every day. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, no, those are great. Yeah. That's a great, yeah. so you're, great insights. I, I feel like what you're saying in, in sort of the uh, outreaching theme here today is that you just got to put the humanity back in things, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. We you sort know, of sanitize people and taken away sort of who we are and become sort of. Yeah. 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 So it's um, and it's important to have those conversations. Yes, it is. it is so important to have those conversations and be vulnerable and um, and and let other people be a human, too. Right. Like nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to do this right on the first time. Um, but learn and listen um, because those relationships get stronger as a result. And going forward, um how do you think that um, this this season of the COVID and the pandemic, how is that going to change social media, you think, and emails and those kind of things? How do you think, what do you think is the best way to reach out to people now? Just more humanity? Absolutely. Just, yeah. I mean, always, I mean, people, especially in the colder months, um, people are going to be online more. Um, and, uh, we're going to be having more conversations online, um, because we're not going to be able to have the backyard hangouts that we did over the summer, um, or the driveway hangs. Um, so just being open with people and listening and, um, and even if you say the wrong thing and somebody asks you to reconsider your words, it's okay for that to sting. (laughs) <laughs> that's a right. normal yeah. human right? Yeah. But take a step back and, and digest it for a few minutes before you respond. Because um, yeah. they could have just given you a huge gift. Exactly. A huge, a gift. huge yeah. gift. Yeah. Either yeah. Um, they are helping you reveal something about yourself you didn't know, or they are really revealing something about themselves that you need to listen to. Right. Right. So, well, yeah. this has been so interesting and relevant, yeah, timely, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so is there any, do you have any kind of last minute questions or anything you want to say, Emily, yeah. before we? What would you suggest, um, Emily, today that um, people do uh, just to make their day a little bit better? Um, something that you do, um, especially maybe when you're um, feeling you need more humanity. What is something someone can do today? Something somebody can do today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's well when you need to feel better about the human race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, random acts of kindness go a long way. I put out a um, some snacks for my delivery drivers. You know, the UPS guy or the Amazon guy um, or lady, um, and that's just one thing I do. Um, I put them on my porch with a little note that says "Thank you, help yourself." And it's just, you know, one random act that I have in my sphere right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great idea. Yeah. Right. And that makes you feel yeah. better too, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I hope to brighten their day because especially going into the holiday season, they are going to be, oh my gosh, I feel so bad Crazy. for all the delivery drivers. <laughs> right. They're going to be worked so hard. So um, yeah, I hope to, that's one small thing I can do, right? That I have control What a great over. idea. Yeah. 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 It's like Santa's cookies. Oh, thank you so much for being <laughs> yeah. on today. What a great interview. Yes. Yeah, we appreciate your honesty. Been, yeah. It's been so nice to get to know you a little better. I'm sure yes. we'll have yeah. many more wonderful yeah. conversations. And good Absolutely. luck, Emily. Good luck yeah. in the future. Thank you. Thank you. You too.